All right, well, if you want to open up in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, we're continuing our study through the book of Luke. Um, I've not decided yet whether or not to actually keep doing this as we are in this strange time, but uh, this text this morning actually fits pretty well um, with our current situation. So Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be. We'll be verses 22 through 55, 56. 56, yes, thank you. Um, and our title for the sermon this morning is Fear and Social Distancing. Um, yeah, so take that as it may. Um, we live in a world of fear. We live in a time of great fear. 9-11 was likely the last time any of us um, faced a public fear of this magnitude that we're currently in. Our, our kids weren't even around then. And many of us were barely adults, if even adults at all. So what then has become our response to fear? Um, While our answer to this question has been and will be exposed in the coming days, an even deeper question ought to be asked. Is Jesus worthy of our faith in times of fear? Is Jesus worthy of our faith in times of fear? And how timely that in our text this morning from Luke chapter 8, that God is calling us to faith in the midst of fear. And he calls us to faith Because Jesus is worthy of our faith. Jesus is worthy of our faith uh, for three reasons in our text this morning. So here's your outline, if you are one of those type A people that wants an outline. Jesus is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the natural world. Jesus is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the spiritual realm. And Jesus is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the living and the dead. So let's pick up our story in Luke chapter 8. We're just going to read verses 22 through 25. You can follow along with me. Hopefully you have your Bible. Um, Or you can just listen. Luke 8 verses 22 through 25 says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, And were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Last week I mentioned that this story was the focal point of chapter 8. We talked a lot about minding what you hear and see last week. There were three stories in the first half of chapter 8 that kept bringing up the need to mind what we hear, and now we begin to roll into minding what we see. So what do the disciples see in this boat experience? They don't fully understand it yet, but what they see is that Jesus is Lord of the natural world. Only God has true authority over the natural world. The Old Testament goes to great lengths to repeat this time and time again. Creation in Genesis 1, the flood in Genesis 6, the Exodus, Jonah and the great fish. The list goes on, but those are just a few. God really does have authority over the natural world. This is meant to strengthen our faith in Him. But in times like we're in today, our fear of the natural world can get the better of us. We begin to see the lives affected by the virus, the lives lost, the people getting sick, the workers being laid off, 
the economy going down the tubes, politicians and media quarreling nonstop, the lack of white paper to flush down the toilet. Some see all of this and say, where is God at a time like this? Why doesn't God give us a cure for the virus? Why did God allow this virus in the first place? How could a God of love allow so much sickness and destruction? Look back at our story in Luke 8 at verse 23. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. Now, don't you think these men in the boat would have been doing everything they could to keep this boat from sinking? As the water filled the boat, they would have had their buckets scooping up the water and throwing it back over into the sea. I'm sure they were doing what they knew how to do. But they realized that the storm was more powerful than their boat and their ingenuity. Jesus did not rebuke them for their fear. Jesus did not rebuke them for their effort in trying to save themselves from drowning. Jesus rebukes them and says, where is your faith? Because they still didn't understand why he was capable of such a miracle. They did not recognize that Jesus is Lord over the natural world. I think Jesus used this event to prove himself to be God, to be the Lord of the natural world. He did not use this event so that 2,000 years later, we might use it and say, if you're really God, then you'll stop this virus. If you're really God, then you'll keep me from losing my job as the economy continues to tank. No, Jesus does not show himself to be Lord of the natural world so that we can expect him to make all things in this world work the way that we want them to work. Jesus can stop these natural disasters and pandemics from happening, but in the midst of them, do we still trust in his lordship? Do we realize that there is a greater threat out there, a greater hardship, a greater disaster for many in this world? Jesus is worthy of our faith because he is lord of the natural world, but he is also worthy of our faith because he is lord of the spiritual realm. Read with me, Verses 26 through 39 in Luke chapter 8. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you. Do not torment me, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let him enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. 
But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home, and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the spiritual realm. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what has just happened here, what's going on here in our text. Did you catch the fear that the demons had? Look at verse 28. The demons controlling the man, and how does the demon react to the presence of Jesus? When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. I beg you, do not torment me. Then verse 31, And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. These demons were full of fear. And they were full of fear because Jesus had authority to cast them into eternal hell, the abyss, never-ending darkness and hopelessness. This touches on an important truth that Jesus speaks about himself later in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You may have a worldly fear that's based on worldly things. But what you ultimately need to be concerned about is a heavenly fear that's based on spiritual things. Jesus doesn't bring up this point so that we might forget all of the obligations and concerns of this life here and now. Jesus brings up this point because we can get wrapped up in the here and now and never bother to consider spiritual matters. We can and should have an appropriate fear of spiritual matters. But is that fear going to be accompanied by, or maybe rather replaced by, faith? Clearly note in Luke chapter 8 here, in verse 28, that the demon needs no introduction to know who Jesus is. The demons know who Jesus is. They have a proper intellectual understanding of who Jesus is. When the disciples asked in verse 25, who then is this? The demon is actually the one in the text, according to Luke, who answers that question. Isn't that amazing? But it ought to be disturbing. I, I said it before. I've said it before to you, church, and I'll say it again. We can have knowledge about who Jesus is, but knowledge is not true faith. Faith is both believing and trusting. The demons have proper knowledge, but they do not trust Christ. They do not wish for him to be Lord. They want to do their own thing their own way. It's a blessing that we live in a culture and a region that has so many churches, so many Christians, so many people who profess faith. It's a blessing that we live in a place where the knowledge of Jesus has almost been a birthright. But hear me, friends. We live in a time and place where demons would be accepted by their knowledge. We cannot simply expect that information is going to get the job done when it comes to bringing spiritual life to people. It is not enough to know the right things. That knowledge must be accompanied by trust. We must submit ourselves to Jesus as Lord and commit to follow him, willingly doing what he commands in the way that he has commanded it. Examine yourself this morning. Does your life show that you truly believe that Jesus is worthy of your faith? 
As you spend time doing that regularly, then consider how you can communicate this truth and love to those around us who have been misled. There are many who will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, but God will cast them into hell because he never really knew them. They did not fully cast their life into his hands, and so he will cast them into the abyss. We can believe that Jesus is worthy of our faith and we can believe that he is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the natural world and Lord of the spiritual realm. But that belief alone will not save you. Please hear me on this and consider the ramifications of not understanding this properly. There are those all around us who know who Jesus is and do all kinds of good things to their neighbors, especially in a time like this, in a time of crisis like we're in now. But that does not mean that they are true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do believe that Jesus is worthy of our faith in times of fear. And so we confess that we believe, and we commit our whole heart to him. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my fears and take my doubts. I don't want to be on the outs, or something like that. I'm not sure that's how it goes, but... Maybe that's why I'm not a songwriter. Church and friends out there in Facebook land, whoever is watching, cast your fears onto the one who is in control of the natural world and the spiritual realm. Don't be like the townspeople in Luke chapter 8, who upon hearing and seeing the events that had happened were seized with great fear and asked Jesus to depart from them. They saw what Jesus was capable of and rejected him. Delight in the healing and salvation that only Jesus can bring. But don't allow great fear to seize you and capture your heart away from the truth of the gospel, from the truth of who Jesus is and the life he offers to you when you believe and trust. Jesus is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the natural world and Lord of the spiritual realm and Lord of the living and the dead. Read with me our last section in Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, 
for she's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. It's certainly no, co- no coincidence here that this girl is 12 years old and that this woman has been sick for 12 years. There's certainly no coincidence that as soon as Jesus says to this woman, Daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace, that someone from Jairus' house says, Your daughter is dead. Two daughters in the account, but faith is separating their stories. Jesus is worthy of our faith because he truly is Lord of the living and the dead. Now, I just want to point out a couple of things here before we wrap this up. Some people would find it strange in verse 45 when Jesus asks who touched him. He perceived that power had come out of him and asked. I mean, if, if what I've been saying all throughout the sermon is true, then Jesus certainly knew who touched him. So our question then should be, why is he asking this question? What's the purpose of the question? And I think the purpose of the question is found in Jesus' declaration at the end of their encounter in verse 48. He tells her that her faith has made her well and to go in peace. She was now, for the first time in 12 years, able to go around town in peace. She was now at peace physically, yes, but she was also now at peace relationally. You see, she was a Jew, and as a Jew, she wouldn't have been allowed to associate with anyone because her discharge of blood made her unclean. Someone who was unclean was not allowed to come into contact with other people, or else they would become unclean also. So people avoided her. She had to avoid other people. She lived in isolation. She had to quarantine herself for 12 years. 12 years. We have no idea what this was like. She spent all of her money trying to fix herself, going to physicians, but never getting any better. How awful. But instead of letting fear seize her, she went out in faith because she heard about this man, Jesus, and she minded what she heard. She had an idea of who he was, and the encounter she had with him proved it to be true. So when Jesus asked the woman to reveal herself, he does this so that she has an opportunity to confess her faith. He wants to commend her faith publicly. He did this with the centurion and the sinner woman back in chapter 7 of Luke. And he chides the lack of faith from the disciples earlier in our text in Luke 8. But not only is he able to publicly bring the heart of the issue back to faith, he is able to openly declare that she is now clean. She can move around in public without having to worry about social distancing. She can walk around freely and worship freely and go to the market freely. Now coming fresh off this miracle, while he was still speaking, verse 49 declares some really bad news hits them. The 12-year-old girl has died. So what is Jesus' response to the inrush of sadness and pain that certainly was felt in that moment? It says in verse 50, But Jesus, upon hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. He says, do not fear. 
Do not let your fear seize you. Don't let this opportunity pass you by to put your faith in me. Haven't I just healed this woman who has been plagued for 12 years? Certainly you trust that I could also heal your 12-year-old daughter, right? So Jesus goes to the house, tells them not to weep because she's not dead but sleeping, and they still don't believe him. Even though they don't believe him, though, he still raises her from the dead. And I wonder if this is the reason why he tells them to tell no one what had happened. Jairus was in a real crisis when he first comes to Jesus, but now it seemed all hope was lost. Perhaps in his mind, there was no need for faith anymore. Perhaps he never believed like Jesus told him to. Perhaps all of his fears had become reality, and he was caught only in the physical that he could see. But Jesus is still kind and gracious to him and his family by raising his daughter. Jesus healed people who did not end up following him. Jesus healed people who didn't listen to his commands. Jesus healed people who didn't understand his teaching about the kingdom of God and himself. Jesus showed himself to be worthy of their faith, but they were not true disciples. Receiving the blessings of God doesn't make you any more a true disciple than the guy next door who lost his job or the woman at work whose husband left her or the family who has a sick child that won't heal. Take care to understand what God's true blessings are. Take care to understand the blessing of hearing God's word and seeing the miracles of Jesus and understanding their implications, both now and forever. Is Jesus worthy of our faith in the midst of fear? You've seen disciples, you've seen a man possessed by a demon, you've seen townspeople, you've seen a sick woman, you've seen a dead girl and her parents. So many different responses to that question. Yet we have the blessing, we today, right now, you have the blessing of hearing and seeing them all and coming to a well-informed response. Is Jesus worthy of our faith in the midst of fear? Yes. Yes, he is worthy. He is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the natural world. He is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the spiritual realm. And he is worthy of our faith because he is Lord of the living and the dead. In the midst of fear, believe and trust in Jesus. He is our only hope in life and death. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for this text where we can be confronted with hearing and seeing your miracles, of being witnesses even 2,000 years later through your preserved word, of the miracles that you've done to show yourself to be the Lord of this world, the Lord of the spirit realm, the Lord of the living and the dead. God, we pray that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear that we might come to this well-informed response of belief and trust in you because you are worthy. God, in, the, in these moments that we face today in our country, in our world, a bunch of unknown, what's going to happen this week? What, what new developments are going to occur today and, and later this week? God, in the midst of this uncertainty that has been pressed upon us over this past week and two weeks and few months, 
God, would you give us faith? Help us to trust in you. Allow us to cast our cares, our concerns, our anxieties, our fears upon you. Each of these people in the story had fear. The woman who was healed of her sickness for 12 years, even she came trembling, but she confessed what Jesus had done for her. Help us, make us a people who confess what you have done for us, how you have saved us through your death and resurrection, through the life that you lived, that now lives in us. So God, we pray that you would help us to not be a people who fear, but to be a people who live by faith. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. God, help us to be a people who is defined by that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I have no idea if it's what you expected or if it's what we were anticipating.